Corinthians 5, 21. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the great exchange. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. Hallelujah. That's what that song's about. His robes for mine. Let's take our Bible, please, tonight and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. It's been our privilege of uh, 14 weeks now to be the interim pastor. Here at Crossroads, we're praying for a pastor. I, I uh, pray daily. Uh, there's five churches that are without a pastor that are dear to my heart. And um, one of them is in Sherraw, South Carolina, Calvary Baptist Church. The uh, pastor uh, resigned to become the assistant director of the Anchorage Camp at Lake Waccamaw, North Carolina recently. He was the pastor there. I was there 11 years. He was there 22 years. And uh, then um, the church I just uh, pastored for nine and a half years in Whiteville, North Carolina. I uh, retired May 21st, and uh, they're seeking a pastor as well, as well as this church and Faith Baptist in Delco, uh, North Carolina, as well as uh, uh, a church down in Hanahan, Charleston area that I've preached in recently. So uh, you be praying. Pray for our pulpit committee uh, here. We'll be meeting tonight. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing when God answers and we'll be able to say only God could have done that. He'll bring us God's man at this place. Amen. In Ephesians chapter 4, uh, originally I was told that I would be here six to eight weeks and then would probably be having a pastor. Now, once you go past eight weeks, uh, you're going to get some different kinds of messages uh, on Sunday night. Uh, I had certain messages, those easy kind. And now we're preaching on forgiveness and words. And tonight, I'm entitled the message in as looking at the Ephesians 4 passage. I'm preaching tonight on a subject. Uh, after a few years ago, it's been several years ago, I uh, had some uh, children that I knew in the church that had bought a, a little game at, uh, at a yard sale. And I was over at the house and they were playing the game, and, uh, you know, as a preacher, I've always got to ask the right kind of questions. And I, I said, well, what's the name of the game? And they looked up and said, Angry Birds. <laughs> I said, that sounds like a lot of Baptist churches I knew. <laughs> and so tonight, we've been in Ephesians uh, looking at the one another's of Scripture. We preached through several of those, members one of another, started with... The, love, the loving one another. That, that is the overarching, overarching one another of the New Testament used more times is that we're to love one another and that's why we sang songs about the love of God tonight. Because the opposite of anger is love. The opposite of anger is love. And that kind of love that we're supposed to love others, you'll see it in our text tonight. Now look with me, if you will, in verse 31 of Ephesians chapter 4. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another. That's what we're concentrating on tonight. The opposite of our anger is kindness to one another like the kindness of God. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted. And then this was the basis of a message a couple of weeks ago. Forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake 
hath forgiven you. He's the example of how we are to love one another. He's the example of how we're to forgive one another. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we pray tonight in the message. You'd fill me with the Spirit of God. I pray tonight you'd use the Word of God by the Spirit of God to make us tonight much more like the Son of God. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Angry birds. When I look at the text, I realize that sometimes I'm the angry bird. And God speaks to my heart. He says, put away from you anger, verse 31. In this passage of scripture, we start verse 17. He said, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds. So there's going to be a difference between a person who's saved and a person who's not saved. Our life is to be different. He says there's certain things in verse 22, 23, and 24. He said there are things you're supposed to put on and there are things you're supposed to put off. And he lists now anger. He says, let it be put away from you with all malice. The things we get angry at. I'm, I'm talking to myself now. I mean, I've had to apologize to people about that myself. We get angry at spills. I mean, knock it over something or a child knocks over uh, something and we just get angry because somebody has to clean that up. We get uh, angry at things we've lost. And the older I get now, nearly 73 years old, I, I lose keys and glasses and wallet. Sometimes I can't remember where I am. My favorite question now to Linda is this, where's my and then whatever you fill in the blank after that. Where's my keys? Where's my glasses? Where's my Bible? Where's that? I, I can't, I mean, I, sometimes I'll go into the kitchen and I'll ask myself, what am I doing in here? Have any identified that? You know what I'm talking about? A friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine said one time he bent over. He said, I don't know why I'm down here, but while I'm down here, I think I'll tie my shoes. We get upset with all kinds of where's my and the things we've lost. We get upset with traffic and drivers who cut us off. We get upset with the lines that we have to stand in at the DMV. I tell people if you love the DMV, you're going to love socialized medicine. We get upset with people because they don't do what we want them to do or what we expect them to do. It could be our spouse, our son, our daughter, sister, or brother. Or we get upset with the homeless man that's standing at the corner by Walmart with a sign. Said, need money. I'm going to get me one before too long. We get upset with the pastor or an assistant pastor, or a deacon, or another church member, or a neighbor, or a cashier. Anger. Anger and angry words. The Bible tells us that we found out where our words last week, where our words come from. The Bible says they come from our heart. And the words that we have, they give life or they give death. 
Angry words can destroy. They're destructive. Somebody showed me a video today over the Lukens house of uh, somebody who had some explosives. They baited up out in the field and they, uh, this is somewhere on a, didn't know where it was, where it was happened, but they baited up the uh, hogs to come in by corn and just blew up this thing. I mean, can I tell you that our words and our anger can even be worse than explosion? Proverbs 15, 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath. The next part of that verse says, but grievous words stir up anger. Grievous words stir up anger. We think that if we say it loud, that we're going to really make our point and help the situation, and we're pouring gasoline on the fire. Our own selfish desires are what this anger is made out of, according to James chapter 4. The soft answer and grievous words will stir up anger. For most men, I, I, when I talk to men, I, I'm talking to myself now. When I point my finger out there, I've got three of them pointing back at me. But we, we have a tendency to blow up We'll stomp the gas or somebody will say, oh, did you wrap a golf club around a tree when you got mad with that shot? Most of the time, women can blow up too, but their tendency is to clam up. I'm not speaking to you. You know what my reaction sometimes was and sometimes is? If I get angry in a situation, I don't want to blow up. So I just walk away. And in that response is sometimes just as bad as if I did blow up. I walked away. I should have faced off the situation, handled it biblically, prayed about it, and then I could walk away with a conscience clear before God and before men. What, what does anger do? It destroys, it destroys relationships. It destroys homes. It destroys churches. It destroys, did you hear me? It destroys churches. There's hurt. There's hurt. I mentioned last week about a teenage boy that came to me several years ago. He said, preacher, can I talk to you? He said, my daddy, he's one thing at church but he's an entirely different person back home. And he can blow up at home. Matter of fact, did you know that many teenagers growing up in that kind of situation, after they get out of the home, they no longer attend church anymore, anywhere. You couldn't get them to come. Sometimes the FBI can't find them. But they grew up in an angry home. There's hurt. Our anger is linked to grumbling and complaining. We looked at that already in Ephesians where it said to do all things without murmuring and disputing. We had that passage in our text as we're preaching through the book of Philippians, a book about joy and rejoicing. Do all things without murmuring or just complaining. Saw a 
ad for a shirt the other day, T-shirt. It said, did I roll my eyes out loud? Sometimes our anger, we want to show that we're controlling. We show explosions and we think somehow that we're, that's not the fruit of the spirit, my friend. That's not Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but somehow we feel like we're much better off now that we showed you that we're angry and we, we exploded. Sometimes our anger is shown in hatred. Hatred for people. I uh, told you about pastoring in Houston, Texas, and one night we had a, Dr. Marvin Lewis with Gospel Fellowship Association Missions, and we had 36 people in a Sunday night service meeting in a, in a rented building. And those 36 people were from eight different countries, uh, an international, very international city. And they were from all over the world coming to Houston, Texas. And I said, God, give me a love for him. If Jesus loved him, he, if he had compassion on him, he was moved with compassion when he saw the multitudes, give me a compassion for people. I don't care who they are, where they came from. And then you find somebody that says, well, I, I hate Mexicans. I hope that a saved Mexican sits next to you at the marriage supper of the lamb when we're eating grits. We've had people tell us, I don't like that Chinese man. I don't like that Chinese man. Jesus died for that Chinese man. I don't like Yankees. I don't like people from up north. So I married one. She doesn't eat boiled peanuts. She doesn't drink sweet tea, but we're praying for her. <laughs> there was a relative of mine, I won't mention his name, relative of mine, he'll probably watch, the, watch our service. He, uh, he loved to work at golf courses at Lake Lure. I don't know the names of them, I, but some of those fancy golf courses over that way. And he said it made him mad because those wealthy Yankees were moving down here and they were aggravating when they came to the golf course. And he said, I don't know. I don't know about them Yankees coming down here. Did you know that Jesus died for those wealthy ones coming from up north? I, when I was a hospice chaplain over in Brunswick County, that's Southport, Calabash, Ocean Isle Beach, Holden Beach, all of those towns over there in Brunswick County. I would go from house to house as a hospice chaplain visiting people, and so many of them had sold their house up in Connecticut for a million and a half dollars and came down here and bought one for $400,000 uh, and uh, then lived on the rest of it for retirement income. And did you know... I found out that there's some wonderful people that came down and bought those houses. I've, I met some of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. 
1995, my wife Barbara and I had gone to Hawaii with our family to visit two missionaries over there, one on Oahu and one on Kauai, the flower island, two different missionaries and, and spoke in two different churches over there. And so we set a goal to go to all 50 states. And uh, so we, we would go and do vacation Bible schools in farmland, Indiana, east of Muncie. We did a Bible school in Cheyenne, Wyoming during the Frontier Rodeo Days. We flew to Portland, Oregon, and did one in Hillsboro, Oregon, outside of Portland. And then we'd take the next week and we would drive around to different places. We, you know, we had to go see where Laura Ingalls' house was. And we got to go, you know, all kinds of little special places that the kids wanted to go. And so my wife, we were on the way back from France visiting missionaries in 2008 when my wife found out about her stage four colorectal cancer that had spread to her lungs. And so the doctors, we started the 30 chemo treatments. And the doctor says, I've heard you've been to 49 states. Where have you not been? I said, we hadn't been to Alaska. He said, if I move a cancer treatment one week, could you make that happen? I said, absolutely. And so my wife and I, John, my son, and my son, Matt, we flew to Juneau, Alaska for a week and made our 50th state. You've been around me now for 14 weeks. I'm all, always in the state of confusion. That's my 51st state that I've been in. I live in the state of confusion. But do you know one thing I found out? I met some good people in every one of those states. I met some good people. And I had some bad people that lived next door to me that had grown up right next to me all my life. But Jesus loves all of them. I don't need to get angry because of their, where they're from, what country they're from, what state they're from. You keep me here a little longer, I'll preach on John chapter 4. Have you talked about that, that Jesus going up there into a place called Samaria, Samaritan, with a Samaritan woman in Samaria? And it says that the Jews hated Samaritans. But Jesus goes up there and witnesses to a woman at the well. In John chapter 4, it is a tremendous text of Scripture. What are you angry at tonight? Who are you angry at? Has somebody attacked you physically or verbally? Sometimes anger can lead to abuse. We've dealt with that in counseling and as a pastor over the 40 years of preaching. Look over at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Angry birds. We talked about growing in Christ today and reaching forth. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We talked about how God wants us to continue to grow and change, grow and change, grow and change. And we never retire from that. But he says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Lay it aside. Put it off, as he said in Ephesians chapter 4. 
for this anger reveals my heart. Matter of fact, tonight, if we're honest with ourselves and I'm honest with myself, the anger has not come out yet today, but there's some anger down inside there, dwelling inside of our heart. I grew up in Somerville, South Carolina, down around Charleston, and we would go often to Charleston and to the ports down there. And in that Charleston Harbor, you would see a ship come in. And several times we would watch them come in, high tide usually. One time, a ship out there ran aground. And uh, it busted the side of the ship and some of the boxes, the cargo on the inside spilled out and was all out on the water in Charleston Harbor. It reminded me of sometimes the anger that's in our heart. It doesn't look too bad when nobody else sees it. But when there's a crash and the boxes are all floating and the mess is out on the water, we see what it's really like. Have you heard someone say this? I have a right to speak my mind. Or as one lady told me one time in anger in church, she said, preacher, I will speak my mind. I started to tell her there wasn't a whole lot left. She looked like she'd been speaking a good bit and she gave most of it away. You and I need to love each other. We need to ask God to deal with the anger, the angry birds in our own heart. Galatians 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit, by being saved, the Spirit of God inside of us, the evidence of that is love and joy and peace and patience and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness. And it also says that it's self Control, temperance, or self-control. You say, but preacher, Jesus got angry. I mean, you know, he overturned the tables with the money changers. He was angry at something that God was angry at. Often our anger is not at something that God would be angry at. It's something that we want to defend our own self. Somebody's inconvenienced us. Somebody did something that disappointed us. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, I love what Peter said. It says when he was reviled, he reviled not again. He could have come back, but he didn't. In Ephesians chapter 4, the beginning of that chapter, he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. With all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. There's where we put up with each other, warts and all. Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Tonight, in our own anger, we need to humbly ask for God's forgiveness. And we need to go to others where we have spoken our mind. 
We need to ask for their forgiveness. We need to name the sin. We need to own the sin. We need to trust in God's forgiveness and ask them for their forgiveness. And we need to be willing to forgive others as well. What about these words in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31? He says, let all bitterness. That's a smoldering resentment down inside of our heart. It's grudge-filled. We're going to hold a grudge. We will, we'll keep a list and we'll remember this. Anger often goes to bed at night and wakes up as bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 says, Beware lest any root of bitterness spring up and many be defiled. It doesn't just affect us. Other people are affected by our anger and bitterness. He said, let all bitterness. And then he says, wrath, wild rage, a short fuse. By the way, that's one of the qualifications that will disqualify a pastor from being a pastor is a short fuse. Wrath. Then he mentions not only wrath, but he says he mentions anger, the word anger. That's a, there's a deep-seated smoldering in our heart. And just a grit your teeth kind of anger. The kind of anger that murder is made out of. He says, let all clamor. That's, that's the outcry. It reveals the loss of control that we, we've control, lost control of this situation, so we'll just get angry at it and expressed in clamor. This thing is escalating now. And put away evil speaking, which we talked about last week. Slander, evil speaking. Then he says, and be put away from you with all malice. Malice. Evil that is the basis of evil devices. It is the idea that whenever you are angry or I'm angry with someone, we get to the point where we say, and I hope you get hurt. That's what clamor is. I hope you get hurt. But then he contrasts that with verse 32 of Ephesians chapter 4. And be ye kind one to another. Gentiles in the world, they, that's the way they walk. Like verse, the characteristics of verse 31. But as a believer, the new man, be ye kind one to another. Even tenderhearted. There's the idea of being compassionate. Isn't that something you prayed for your children for when they were real young? Lord, give them a tender heart. We sing a song about that that Ron Hamilton wrote, A Tender Heart. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Proverbs 19, 19, I would suggest that 
if you haven't done it lately, some of you read maybe five psalms a day and a proverb of the day for whatever day of the month it is. But I want to encourage you to read through the book of Proverbs. You will, you will hit this subject, and I hit this subject as I read through it, over and over again. Look at Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19 and verse 19. It says, a man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. For if thou deliver him, you rescue him, yet thou must do it again. When that anger builds up and somebody says, well, I got that settled. And when it's confronted, we often have to do it again. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, thou shalt not go. Notice the danger of it, verse 25. Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. So evidently, anger can be a learned behavior. How do I know that? As a daddy. You're talking about a dagger to the heart for daddy. It's when you hear your child, when they're growing up, yelling at the dog or at their baby doll and using the same phrases, the same tone of voice that daddy uses. Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. You say, but I, I, you don't know me, preacher. I'm Irish. I mean, that's just the way I am. Jesus came to change us. We no longer live for ourselves, but live for the one who died for us and rose again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. Proverbs 25, 28. Mark this one if you haven't marked it in your Bible. He that hath no rule over his own spirit it's like a city that is broken down and without walls. Just can't control it. We're like a city that is broken down and without walls. There's no defense when there's no walls. We had a softball game here with the men, young men, not too long ago, and I pitched for about 30 years. I, I'm too old now to be out there. I, I can't get my glove up fast enough now. Uh, but do uh, you know what the saying is among churches that play in softball leagues? We don't have a softball league. I'm glad you don't here. 
But you know what the saying is among leagues around the country when they have churches and softball leagues. Do you know who will be the first person thrown out of a game? Often the preacher. Often the preacher. You say, preacher, what's the remedy? Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 tonight. I need to mark the remedy. Verse 12 of Romans chapter 6. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid, or no way. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience under righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were, ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of, my, of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to unrighteousness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. Holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit have ye then in the things whereof ye are now ashamed? I'm going to read that again. What fruit have ye then in the, those things whereof ye are now ashamed, for the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto wholeness and the end everlasting life. Several years ago, a, a man was in my church and he... Uh, he was, I think he was one of those men that was one thing at church and a different one at home. One of his children came and spoke to me and said, we've named our daddy a different name. And I said, what are you calling him now? We're calling him dynamite because we never know when he's going to explode. Could we be called dynamite? We now live under the power of the Spirit of God. God's grace empowers us. It's the gasoline to help us to do exactly what he's told us to do and how that we can now exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Turn with me to a verse of Scripture that as I was preparing this message, it came over and over. Psalm 19 Verse 14. 
Someone asked me today, and I, when I read a text of scripture for devotions, how do I meditate on that text through the rest of the day? And I said, I can't do it on the whole text, but I usually pick a verse of scripture and I take that verse and it mold it over, over and over and over in my life until it affects my life. And this is one of those verses. Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, because that's where it comes from, from our heart. Let the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Put away anger. We don't want to be a part of the angry birds. Let's bow for prayer. Tonight, before we pray, my hand is lifted up. Who would say, preacher, God spoke into my heart tonight? Amen. Amen. He's spoken to mine this week in preparing. Father, you've seen hands. More importantly, you've seen hearts. I pray tonight if there be one here without Christ, they'd come to know our precious Lord. And tonight, Lord, I pray that tonight we would surrender our all, including the anger in our heart to God who died for it, to the one who shed his blood, that though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Thank you that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we thank you in Jesus' name.